Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Michelle Kwan, illustrator and cartoonist. Enjoy. So it's recording. And, oh, okay. um, yeah. Oh, so it's like started. Oh yeah. I just, I just talk. Oh, cool. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to other ones, but it's really just casual, like phone call ish. Nice. Um, yeah, I did. I did hear, uh, a few of like the people that I know. Who do you know? Um, wait, I don't think my headphones are even connected wait sorry that's fine wait can you say something really quick yep i'm talking okay yeah they're not even connected do you uh, want to try to connect them or no no I, i'm good this is better i think i it like sounds... people oh is yeah. it worse no it's totally fine okay um who do i know from your podcast um i know Vinny and ellie michalka she used to be my art director on a show that i used to background paint for even universe right yeah so did you move out to la for that no um i originally moved out to la to work at jib jab um do you know jib jab no it's like a e-card company. Well, they started out as an e-card company where like you, they make like animated e-cards and you could take a picture of your face and it'll go on like a dancing elf or something. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you yeah. moved to, I don't even know where you live. Where do you live? Right now I live in Brooklyn. Okay. But you moved to LA at some point to work for Jib Jab. Yeah, so I went to school in Florida, and then right after graduating, I moved to LA to work at Jib Jab, and then I kind of like, uh, I kind of like jumped around from like studio to studio after that, like just working in animation, and then I moved out here like four years ago now. Is that what you went to school for, animation? Yes. Um, I studied computer animation, though, so it was like 3D animation. Wow, this is crazy. Do people still use this jib jab? Yeah, people do actually use the jib jab. That's um, so, so that was your first real job in that sphere, animation? Yes, that was my first real job. Um, yeah, uh, I think their general like target audience right now is like middle-aged like moms, like I think a lot of like moms really like 
these e-cards. Um, but now they do um, Storybots, which is a children's show. Um, and it's like, and that's what I used to work on at JibJab, even though I have done a few e-cards. And was that experience valuable? I think it was really valuable, actually. Um, I, while I was in school, I went to Ringling. Yeah. And like, it was very, it was all very like Pixar focused. Like my goal during school was to like get a job at Pixar or like Disney or DreamWorks. And then I think after working at JibJab for a while, like, uh, and also like after having been like burnt out from school and like that goal, I was, I was kind of like surrounded by like artists that like didn't draw in that style and had their own kind of look and JibJab really like, uh, they really like want you to do that. Like they, you can do like, pretty much everything if you like work really hard like you can like they because they're like storybots show is mixed media it's like 3d animation 2d and even like stop mo and they like encourage you to work in like a lot of different styles so i think that was really valuable for me and like it made me realize that there's more out there and made me want to kind of make more illustrations and art in my own way. Right. My impression of animators in school is that they don't have like an identity. I don't know if that's correct, but, <laughs> but I mean like drawing style, they don't have like, um, at least the school I went to in the animation department, I don't really feel like any of them had a good style. They just kind of knew like this way of animating movement, which is valuable. Mm -hmm. But I think most of the time you're going to get plugged into a giant studio that yeah. doesn't want you to have a style unless you have like a good job, which I think some shows on Cartoon Network let you express your style a little bit. I don't know. You could probably speak to that much better than me. Yeah, I think that definitely um, that definitely tracks with Ringling, especially Um I think like there are like certain schools, I think, where like animators do have their own stuff, like CalArts, for example. Um, but they also definitely have like a school style. But I think that's just like school to school. Um, but what, what were we talking about again? Well, I mean, animation and. Oh, yeah. And style. I feel like maybe what's attractive about the comic scene at least at a certain point is yeah each person had well there's definitely similarities right but people seem to have more of a individuated approach and style and yeah, yeah. and yeah that's what kind of attracted me to comics uh while i was in la and like working in animation like because most of these productions you're definitely like you know a small cog in a bigger machine yeah. um and and i like tried making a comic and it was like maybe like a 15 page comic um and i finished it and i was like oh wow like i could like tell a story without having to work for like three years 
um, for like a four minute short film. Um, right. So yeah, I think that's definitely what attracted me to comics too. And also like everyone has their own kind of individual voice, I guess, but more so, you know, a little more. Yeah. So was that like a dream you had as a young child you wanted to animate or is that something later in life that that popped up i think as a young child i just i wanted to be like a manga artist like that's tough i'm gonna (laughs) be truthful um and then while i was applying to colleges i was like i need to do something that gets me money (laughs) what specifically why do you think you wanted to be a manga artist was there a book that inspired you Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up like reading a lot of manga. Um, These days, I don't really a lot, but I was really I was heavy into Naruto, like when Mm -hmm. I was a teenager. And um, like, I guess, like, in my younger years, I was really like, you know, all the classics like Crayon Shin-chan and um, Dragon Ball and like, Oh, and all like the like magical girl animes like Cardcaptor Sakura, like Sailor Moon. Um, yeah, I'm blanking on some names right now, but. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I think going from the animation to comics direction, that's probably a relief. I think going from drawing like illustration to comics seems like a lot more hard work, you know, because you're used to drawing one image. And then you have to spend all this time making a comic, but I can imagine animation as being the most grueling by far in terms of just repetition and how long it takes to make like 10 seconds of animation versus a comic. Yeah, I guess like the pipelines are all kind of different. I don't know. I feel like illustration... uh, I mean, I I guess I can't speak to it because I don't really have much of an illustration background i just only kind of recently started into Mm. it but yeah definitely like learning how to storyboard and animate like sequential art it it helps into comics um but so what happened after jib jab i got kind of uh i got kind of tired of working there because uh, I really wanted to do um, illustration and and just make my own drawings more, but I was kind of like put into a 3D animation role, and I was really tired of all like the technical difficulties that come with 3D animation. Um, and it was just like too many steps away from drawing. So you have expertise in 3D animation? I did. Uh, I don't know if right now, I don't know if I could get back into it. <laughs> like I, I could open up Maya and then it'll all be muscle memory, but like, I can't tell you which keys or what. Um, and, and things change so much, you know, like, I don't know if people even use Maya anymore. Like, do they, right. they all about Blender or something? <laughs> I don't I think they might be. I had a friend go to school in Ringling for animation. And I remember it being a very good school for that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like one of its better departments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you were very much like 
you were thinking about it from financial stability and then the Pixar angle. Yes. And also the angle of like, I kind of want what everybody else wants right now. Pixar? Yeah. Okay. Everybody else around me, what they want. Yeah. In my major. But then somehow you ended up doing like animation anyway, right? Steven Universe. Yeah. I, I did end up doing animation anyway, and I still do like for money, um, for my job jobs and your job jobs. Yeah. What, what are your job jobs? Uh, mostly background painting. Really? Yes. Like the last two jobs were background painting for an adult animation on Netflix. And then most recently background painting for an adult animation on Fox, like through bento box. Um, I don't know why I got pulled into the adult animation world. What, what is adult animation? You're talking like, like Bojack is- Horseman okay. or okay. like, uh, what Rick and Morty, that kind of animation. So that's how you create financial stability is as a background artist. Yes. And you do some illustration as well. Yes, I do some illustrations on the side. I'm trying to get more into illustration though, even though it's, I think I've heard it's less financially lucrative, like especially on the editorial side. Yeah. I briefly did editorial but I have no idea what doing like background paintings for a cartoon network show brings in, but yeah, editorial is not much, but it's so quick Mm. and that's kind of cool. Yeah. And it's cool that you make something that you can immediately put in your like portfolio and like show people. And you're like, this is, I, I'm communicating this article through this, art and i don't know it feels kind of intellectual (laughs) it's yeah it's supposedly intellectual that's that's the idea of editorial that's the idea but then i think you do end up doing a lot of like um like kind of the classic like big logos and then um they're like big logos fighting each other, like anthropomorphized. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very, I mean, I don't like it, but it's certainly not a bad job. It's just, yeah. uh, it is what it is. But it's interesting because coming, like I went to school for illustration. You kind of start in editorial and then some people stay there. Some people go all different places. So that trajectory that you lived is that something you're happy with ultimately going from 3d animation in school doing backgrounds illustration are you cool with that or do you wish you worked for pixar or something i don't wish i worked for pixar um yeah i mean that's doesn't even sound like like fun to (laughs) me but i'm 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 pretty happy with my trajectory um but I, I kind of wish that I studied more illustration. Hmm. Um, I, I definitely feel like I, I have some kind of like habits that I would like to break that I learned 
during school, like from an animator's kind of perspective, like they always taught us that drawings were cheap. So it's like you can throw away as many drawings as you can as as possible, like as long as you like get one good thing kind of. Mm. And then that kind of made me draw in a way that's like that, like I'll start something and then immediately I'm like, this looks bad. And then I'll throw it away instead of like seeing where it goes and and like finishing it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it makes sense because in an animation, you could have like 15 shitty drawings and no one would notice really. As long as the general flow looks good. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't need to be like perfect every time. Right. Yeah. That's interesting to hear, you know, coming like I went to school for illustration and I think I don't see the value of it sometimes. Um, what they would make us do is like 30 thumbnail sketches, but it's a different idea, I suppose, because you're trying to find different concepts for a thing and you're drawing very roughly. So in that sense, those drawings are cheap, but you're also exploring an idea. So it's less about the drawings. I'm assuming in animation, there's just so many drawings you have to make that you can't be super precious about every single thing you're doing. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't think going is if you're working already, you'll figure it out. I generally don't think going to school for illustration is worth the money. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Unless you love school. Yeah, not with like private art school money. Like nothing's worth that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what you want to do is more editorial. Uh, Not necessarily editorial. Like I would just like to draw, I would just like to make more illustrations and then for people to hire me for that, whether Mm -hmm. it's editorial or animation or uh, like commercial art. Got you. Yes. And the background work, is that enjoyable? Um, It's kind of very... Um, I always like talk about this with my friend, but like, I think it's the part of the animation pipeline that's like the most... Uh, you could turn your head off and you just, you just paint. Mm. And it's kind of... Uh, and at this point, like I've become like good at it, so I can do it pretty fast. Um, so it's like it has like the best ratio of like kind of effort to to rewardingness scale because because yeah. it, it is kind of like a cushy position. Like I think a lot of jobs in animation like are kind of like they they kind of pay a little well. Um, I don't know. I, I keep talking about like money. <laughs> no, it's a it's a real thing. Yeah, it's like it's, I think I think if anyone's figured out how to draw for a living in any way, that's an accomplishment. That's a success. Yeah. And then you can figure out. Oh, I'd rather have more fulfilling ways of drawing, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, for sure. It's, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, like. Yeah, I think uh, background painting is uh, is like good for me for what I want to do because like it doesn't require for me it doesn't require like that much thought and like 
effort. It does take a lot of time sometimes, but I think like with, if you're going to storyboard, that would take so much involvement. And like, I would have to put so much thought into it that like, um, I wouldn't really be able to work on my own stuff. Um, right. So you have mental bandwidth to work on personal work when doing the, the background designs. Yeah. Is that comics mostly? Oh, my personal work? Yeah. 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 Um, I would like to make more comics. And that's like my favorite thing to make. Yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't really pay. Oh, yeah. Typically. <laughs> yeah. So what the last comic you made was called Untitled. Is that correct? Uh, I made that comic actually like when I first moved to New York. And then I've made a few since. Uh, the last one that I made was called Laundry Day. And it's uh, and they're all like pretty short comics. They're like 26 to like 40 pages long, usually. But I would really love to make a really long, thick comic book. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. I don't have any. The only advice I have for that is like, you have to just have some rule in place that like you need one page a day or something, even if it sucks. You need to have like a practice and then you have to like sit down and actually do something every day and like reach out to people and, ask them if they want to publish your comic. Yeah. These days that's not so bad. I mean, you already have, what's interesting to me is it sounds again, like you're just used to a more, I think for some people making a 40 page comic or even 32 is like a big deal. But since you're used to animation, it sounds like you're pretty comfortable making books in that range, 30, 40 pages. Mm -hmm. And on your website, it looks like you have many books in that range. So you could yeah. probably put out like a collection that's pretty good. Yeah. I'll probably do that someday. But then what I really want to do is just like one continuing story for like 100, 200 pages. You have ideas for that? Yeah. Um, well, I have one kind of series that I've been working on for like for an embarrassingly long time, like on and off. Um and I would really like for it to just be a complete um, book because I've probably I've put out like two issues within like a five year or like four year span of each other. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So is I'm that the to die? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I like the covers of those. Thanks. I, I haven't read them. I just like don't. I haven't cared about comics that much in the past five years. So that's oh yeah, that's just my fault. What What do you care about? <laughs> what do I care about? I think I care about more social things as I get older, and I don't mean like like hanging out. No, not at all. No, um, like work, like uh, building things, and like building community. So for me, when I made comics, it made me sad because I would just sit in a room and draw all the time. Yeah. And I, I kind of had this assumption that I was more introverted than I was, but it was just really that I was discontent. And then I started to go out and 
like I ran a gallery and so I interacted with people and I had to get used to random people walking into the gallery, which sounds like for most people, not a big deal. Um, and I don't think I have social anxiety or something, but it just was like, I wasn't used to it. You're just so used to being in your own world when you make a comic. Yeah. And then I really like that just made me want to do more practical things. And, um, I think when I'm like 50, I'll be happy to sit in a room again and be alone. Yeah. Well, not like completely alone, but like, like that type of energy, I, I think makes sense for when you're at least in, from my perspective, like a little older mm. um, in the meantime, at least personally, I want to like try to interact with society and the world in a positive way. And then if I fail, I can always go back to making comic books in a room. Mm. What what would like, how would you fail in, in <laughs> that? Like, aren't you already doing it and then you enjoy it? Um, yeah, but I think the metrics for me, it's, it's a long, I do many things like fabrication, furniture fabrication, and I run an art center and many things that are far more social and there's like real metrics, right? Like financial metrics, mm -hmm. um, social ones that like, as a comic artist, I really didn't care. And it was a pure time. It was fun. You know, I was just like, how many pages could I do? Mm -hmm. I didn't make a lot of money. Um, but I find making not a lot of money made me very, even more isolated and selfish in some ways where even if someone wanted to go out and eat some food, I lived in Oakland, in Oakland, mm. then I couldn't do it. Just didn't have the money to do it. So for me, at least comics went with a certain lifestyle, probably an, it was just an immaturity on my part but that I couldn't reconcile with like actual maturation of my human side. Mm. Does that make sense? It, you couldn't rec reconcile comics. Yeah. With maturity. I don't know why. I just couldn't uh, figure. Oh, I, couldn't... Like, well, I mean like being inside all the time and like by yourself, it's a very solitary thing. So that definitely, I don't know. I don't know if that, I was going to say it doesn't help with like maturing but I think that does actually help some people. <laughs> oh yeah. Isolation. Can, yeah. Definitely helps you form yourself, I think. But then I felt like I needed to do the next thing, which was, uh, interact with humans more. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely helped. Um, I think it sucks when you really like doing something that is super time consuming and isolating. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for me, like I made a book with Neve, my friend Neve, Wow. And, and that we just did via Dropbox and we had the Wacom tablets and that was three years, but that was fun. So like it made comics, which was often grueling for me. That's not a bad thing. It's just like, it was challenging. It turned it into kind of this social thing where I got to talk to him every day for an hour or so. Yeah. And it was suddenly, yeah, it was basically fun which never, it never feel, feels like that when I'm alone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt that while working in animation, especially like post COVID, um, just working from home all the time. And in New York where I'm, I was still kind of fairly new at the time to New York. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's definitely very isolating. And I had always wanted to like, uh, go to a studio or like have somewhere to work. And I kind of did that by like renting studio spaces. Um, but that I've kind of jumped around in that area a lot. And like, um, it, it also made me want to like work, uh, like in a different field, <laughs> just like completely different. Like I've always wanted to have like a part-time job in New mm. York. I recently started doing that and it's, it's been nice. Um, what is that job? Um, uh, I work at a stationary store called Yoseka stationary. It's in Greenpoint. Yoseka. Yeah. Um, so I work like two days in the warehouse and one day in the storefront and it's, um, and I really wanted to do that because I need, I feel like I need to socialize more right. and, um, and I have been doing that, but it is very tiring <laughs> for me. Like, I don't know if I have like that kind of social bandwidth to like do it all the time. Like even three days is like exhausting for me. That's a nice stationary store. Yeah, it's really nice. People come from like Delaware to buy pens there and stuff. Like people are really into that store and stationery. I think that's an interesting perspective for people to hear because I'm sure there's artists who their goal is to get out of working a part-time job or full-time job. But I think the truth is it's really complicated complicated like achieving a balance yeah is, is difficult yeah I, i'm definitely i feel like i'm definitely privileged that i i can like kind of live because i haven't been employed for a couple months now hmm. um i feel well, like but you work at the stationery store yeah yeah until until i started working at oh, the gotcha, store. gotcha 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 um like I, I mean, like employed within like art, uh, art jobs, mm-hmm. um, and I forgot what I was gonna say. But you're just uh, speaking to the nature of a certain privilege to be able to. Oh yeah. Probably choose to work at a stationery store. I assume. Yeah, yeah. Just like I guess choose to work part time and right. like not really do anything else. Um, like I mean, I'm gonna have to get like a full-time job very soon but like i've just been i've been working for a while so i can i feel like yeah i'm very privileged to like want to do that and like um want to like work retail and um because i know like a lot of my coworkers are like i would love to just have a job where i like sit at home and not have to like talk to anyone for right. a long time yeah yeah, that's what I'm saying is like, it's, it's always, I don't know if it's just humans want what they don't have, but it's, it's always a little more complicated. You always think it's going to be some solution when you get somewhere. And then there's usually some other thing you have to solve. Yeah. Does, does this place give you a type of stationary anxiety? It seems like, 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 do you want, anxiety? does it make you want to buy all these different like, I don't know when I walk into certain stores, I just go a little, I can get like, it's overwhelming the amount of pens that exist. 
Oh, yeah, it does. It does give me stationary anxiety. <laughs> I've I've also been wanting more like nice fountain pens and nice right. like notebooks ever since I started working there. Um it gives yeah, and like also knowing all the technical things that come with the products. Um that's a lot of stationary anxiety because uh these these pens are are very um they have a lot of features that a lot of people like know about and are very like particular about and i've been i've I've had to learn like pretty quickly like what they are and i'm still learning but like i don't there's like it's just like a whole world that i don't know anything about like i don't there's like a subculture for everything do you draw in real life still or is it a lot of digital um i draw in real life still yeah i i try to draw in real life with like my comics yeah um but i'm also more recently trying more digital art well i assume the the backgrounds have to be digital right the way that that works oh yeah yeah that's all digital I feel like I really, I try to like really separate like work, work and then like personal work, but like okay. the work, work is all digital. And the personal work is half and half, depending on what you're doing. Like if you're doing a comic, it's digital. Yeah. Or if I'm yeah. doing a comic, I'll like line it. I'll like ink it traditionally and then, I'll, yeah. you know, color it. That becomes the complicated thing. Cause you know, it's going to get reproduced anyway. So it's oftentimes people just slowly move into an all digital process with comics. Yeah. I I find it hard to line in the same way, like as I do on paper in Photoshop or my iPad. I think the reason I ask is like one way to prevent yourself from buying a bunch of bullshit stationary stuff is if you work digitally, then you can kind (laughs) of resist it. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I have all this stuff from jet pens that, um, Oh yeah. I still use the same exact pen I used like 10 years ago. And do you refill it? No, no. I just mean the type of pen. Um, it just like brings me comfort and I bought stuff to try to change that, but nothing ever works. So I just kind of given up on sometimes I buy really tiny pencils, (laughs) like, like stupid shit like that. Like a super tiny mechanical pencil I found once. Oh yeah. You probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like those like really tiny, they're kind of like novelty ish. Yeah. I I lost it. So (laughs) yeah. I mean, what's, what's the pen that you like? I'm trying to find it. You probably know it. This pen. The Tombow Food in the Soak. I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, this I have pen. one of those. It's like a felt tip pen, right? Yeah, and then this one. Of course, you, the the actual, the uh, white, the Signa, the white pen that actually works, the Uniball yeah, Signa. The one that Signa. White. But this is from when I would... um act like physically well i'm back to it but yeah i had a phase of reluctantly going to digital 
but which kind of pushed it over the edges when I was working the book with Neve because it actually gave me a reason to do it digitally. And that made me feel fine because I was like, oh, I couldn't actually do this project without a tablet. So it felt justified. But I still feel kind of shitty when I make a drawing completely on a computer, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. I'm also like, I, I'm drawing on all these post-it notes now just because I want evidence for my um, like grandchildren or something that I actually made the drawing. Because I think they're going to grow up in a world where they won't believe <laughs> because of like AI drawings. They're just not going to believe that uh... someone drew something. Yeah, I was going to say you could just print out digital drawings, but that's also hard to prove. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're yeah. just, I don't even know what they're going to, it's going to be so hard to prove you drew something unless you have like a very dirty, like I love seeing uh, comic pages with revisions, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. why that, that's so satisfying to me. That's nice. I like the post-its as a revision thing. I've seen people do that. Oh, yeah. That's a good look. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious what you think of Pixar movies right now. Do you oh, enjoy them? I haven't seen any recent ones. What's the most recent Pixar movie? I've seen Coco. That was, I think, my most recent Pixar movie. Damn, that's old. I know that's real. So it's do you, do you think has animation receded into the background in respect to interest, like an influence yeah, on your life? Yeah, it has. Um, what has, has anything replaced it? Uh, I think, I don't know. I watch a lot of K dramas. K drama. <laughs> K-dramas. This is Korean dramas? Yes. How do, how do uh, K-dramas differ than other dramas? Oh, because they're they're from Korea. And then um, they all have their own kind of style. Like they all end in like a, like a, they all end in like a black and white, like still. And then they'll like do stills from the, various shots and you know it has its own tropes and it's kind of its own genre even though there are other genres within k-dramas um but i don't i don't know maybe that's not the best example because it's not like it, it is an example of like what has like swapped my like media intake but it's not a good example of like it influencing me to like make my own animations and draw in that way. Well, I see in your website bio that you're interested in character driven narratives. <laughs> so I think that might have a connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I do, it, I do want to make like a K drama influenced webtoon eventually too that's just kind of an idea that i've been throwing a webtoon yeah because webtoons are really popular in korea and most k-dramas are made from webtoons and i think that would be an interesting way to make a comic even though i really don't like the format of like scrolling on your phone 
vertically yeah so you're saying webtoons are made and then they make k-dramas yeah and these k-dramas are real people or animated they're real people they okay they're like soap operas yeah they're soap operas and i'm just curious like what makes it it's in korean Uh uh-huh is that the appeal that it's in korean or Uh, is it or is it like is there something unique about them yeah there's i think there's definitely something unique about them um it's kind of like uh like like a bollywood film or like a um what was the what was the one yeah it's it's kind of like that it's like different in a kind of cultural sense okay Um, you know bollywood films they they have their own genres and then like sometimes they'll bust out like into a dance and singing and stuff i mean like k-dramas don't have that but like i think it definitely has its own flavor um like i guess like the classic k-drama is like a romantic comedy drama um and yeah it, it just like has its own tropes and usually the characters like in like an american rom-com or romantic drama um they would probably like get really intimate like in the first episode but like k-dramas really drag it out and then they don't like they don't even hold hands until the 11th episode and it's just like a very slow burn and um interesting yeah and like the stories are usually have to do with kind of like poor character rich character kind of in the vein of like hmm. of like parasite you know um yes that's but, what i but thought it's of definitely not parasite <laughs> definitely like less highbrow were you born in korea no but i grew up there i i like i moved there when i was like one and i left when i was 16. okay so you might as well have been born there. You yeah. Were born, you were born in America. Yeah. So you're a dual citizen. No, I'm I'm an American citizen. Um, so I went to school on an army base there. So I, like the school I went to was American, and I've I've never had Korean citizenship, and um, I don't. Interesting. My Korean is good, but it's not like that good. <laughs> but you were there for fifteen years. Yeah, but, you, but, but you didn't need to learn Korean. I don't know anything about growing up on a on an army base. Uh, is that like a big enough world where you can just be in a bubble? Um, it's pretty small, yeah. but definitely when you like enter the base, it feels like I used to think they had just kind of like ripped land from the U.S. and then like brought it over on a helicopter. It just looks like the states, um, but it's not like. You definitely do have to learn some Korean if you like, if you lived off base like I did. Um, uh, but like, since when you're like that age, like elementary school to high school, you're really only for me, like I'm only going to school and hanging out with my friends. So like, I didn't really have to learn that much Korean to survive. That's a strange place to grow up a uh, base yeah it is weird 
And I, I've went there recently because um, they're in the process of shutting it down because it's like because uh, they moved the base and it's like a whole it's a whole thing like it's it's an army base like it used to be in the middle of Seoul, um, and they're turning it into a park I think but I don't know there's some political thing going on there um, yeah but and I, I went recently and it was uh, it was really surreal because. Uh, all, all of the buildings are abandoned and it feels like a, the set of a zombie movie and like there's grass mm -hmm. growing along the sidewalks and stuff. You experience Han? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a very specific, <laughs> specific term. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch that Anthony Bourdain parts on no. that episode? Where no, I'm not. Han? <laughs> I just happen to be friends with a lot of Korean people. Uh, where, for whatever reason, the town I grew up in, New Jersey, there's a lot of Korean people. And oh, you're from New Jersey? Yeah. Oh, was I'm it there like right now. Oh, I thought you were in LA. No, I just like because I lived in Oakland, I made friends with people who ended up in LA and uh I'd never lived there properly. I've never lived in Brook or New York either. Um oh. I live in New Jersey and Wow. And then I met even more Korean people in uh LA. And then yeah my I don't know if you know James Chung, but he's an illustrator. He used to run Never Press with two other dudes, which is like a resograph um printer and one day he was just explaining this term to me and i thought it was so interesting yeah i find uh, the the whole korean identity interesting yeah it's pretty interesting i don't know like the what is han um i don't quite know a lot about it either but it's it's just kind of like this repressed um it's a it's like a repressed like desire mm. like mm, it's like korean people say that like this ghost hasn't moved on because it has han like it's it just hasn't moved on from something it has something that it like needs to get released you know yeah um that I think that's haunt. Like people say, like grudge or kind of like a like the desire to like do like to like achieve something. But I don't know if grudge is the right word for it. But like in respect to your, do you feel? So basically, half your life you lived here, and half your life you lived in Korea. Yeah. Do you ever want to live there again? Uh, I would love to live there. Um, but now I don't really know anyone who lives there besides like one aunt. So, and at this age, like, I don't really want to like live somewhere where I have to make a whole new set of friends again. And at this point, I feel really culturally American. Sure. In Korea, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of things culturally that I probably 
wouldn't do well with. I don't think like tattoos or something. I don't know. Tattoos are pretty popular in Korea now, but, but I guess like that, like the more like conservative sides and, uh, I don't know. I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like in Korea, uh, there's like a big, a lot of people like try to be really perfect and everyone has, is like super neatly dressed and has like clear skin. And yeah, um, it's just a very different vibe from Brooklyn. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. I would feel the pressure more and it would be kind of oppressive. Yeah, I used to date a Korean girl in high school and we would play tennis and her mom would get mad that she was out in the sun. And uh, I didn't understand that. Like the idea, like the idea of like tanning or being darker was like a bad thing. Yeah. And because uh, in New Jersey, there's literally girls who are going to get tanned all the like artificially. All yeah. The time. Yeah. Basic, basically skin cancer. Um, <laughs> and so it was just fascinating to learn. Uh, well, it's always interesting, I think, to encounter someone with super strict parents because uh, it's just interesting to see like different cultural boundaries. I would never think about um, being in the sun as like a big deal or yeah. a bad thing. And then like the fact that the highest rate of uh, cosmetic surgery, I believe is in Korea. Yeah. That blew, that blew my mind too, but I think it's mostly eye stuff, right? Yeah. It's most, it's like min minute, like eye stuff. Yeah. Just the, the fold. Oh yeah, there, the full eyelid fold. No, the reason I ask is like the comics. Well, the Han thing is like, I don't know if the comics have a ghostly, gooey, not not dark. I mean, they're kind of dark, right? Uh, yeah. Like I try to be a little lighthearted. Like add a little darkness, but like make it be a little lighthearted too. Um, I feel like. Maybe like a couple years ago, I would have said like, yeah, I have a lot of Han, but like these days, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like Han. You got rid of, you got rid of the Han. That's good. There's still something there, but how do, like, you, how do, how do you get rid of Han? <laughs> no, there's still something there, but, uh. Like I have other problems. I don't, I don't know if it's like, cause for me, like I kind of like associate it with like angst and, and that's definitely me when I was younger, like just like a more youthful angsty side. Yeah. But, but I don't know. People say Han is like, it's like at any age. Yeah, I mean, I mostly asked just because it sounds like you really like these K-dramas. So, like, clearly Korean culture still matters to you in oh, yeah. some sense. Yeah, for sure. I, I consume a lot of, like, K-drama, uh, like, Korean media, like, K-drama. I listen to K-pop. Primarily. So, like, are your influences... Uh, are there Korean comics? Yeah. It's yeah. called manhwa instead of manga. Um, oh, really? Yeah. 
Korean Kong manhwa. And and there's like a big illustration scene there that I'm I'm like looking at from afar and really admire. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never heard that term. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, the webtoons is a thing, huh? Fascinating. Oh, it's a huge thing. I think it's like um because here you can't make money making comics but in korea you can right it's like japan it's like a viable career path yeah it's fascinating huh. yeah i'm gonna have to so are there people that i should be looking at are, you, are there people who influence you that are making a yeah yeah um one of my favorite comic artists right now in korea is someone called sayo comics i feel like i'm very influenced by her i just really like her work how do you spell that s-a-i-o underscore comics um i think she just came out with a book recently um i'm trying to get my hands on it oh interesting yeah it's cool yeah it's really nice so like korea has its own like indie comic scene as well do you concern yourself with the scene anymore with the scene the scene with the indie comic scene (laughs) i mean i mean how old are you i'm 30. yeah do you care about like I don't know. I just feel like caring about the scene is a, it's much easier to care about scenes in general in your twenties. Um, but you live in Brooklyn, so maybe you're much like, I, I have no choice. I live in New Jersey, so there's nothing. Um, but is that still very much like a, do you find community there? Yeah. In the um, comic scene? I know yeah. you said you knew Vinny. I don't know if it's the comic scene it kind of is. Yeah. Um, I think I do find community in the comic scene. Like I try to, I try to table at like zine fairs and like comic fairs when I can. And, uh, and then I think whenever I'm like leading up to it, I'm kind of just like stressed out. I'm like, Oh, like who cares about this? And like, why would, uh, I I don't know. I get kind of negative when I'm preparing, I think because of the stress. And then once I'm there, I'm like, Oh, I really like these people. And I really like this community. And it's just nice. Yeah. That's good to have. Yeah. Yeah. These are beautiful comics. And there seems to be a lot of these comics. The. Sayo. Yo comics. Yeah. Yeah, she's just drawing all the time. It's cool. Um, so how often do you draw on a day, do you think, on a typical day? I mean, I'm trying to do do it at least once a day, but there are times when I go like a whole week without drawing. Drawing as separate from work, right? Yeah. Because in work, you're drawing. Yeah, I'm trying to... Yeah, but I'm not like working in animation right now right, right yeah right, right. i'm un, like unemployed in that way <laughs> yeah i feel like is that a, is that happening because the animation industry is fucked a little <laughs> bit? yeah i think so okay um, 
Because my friend Jesse Ballmer is, I don't think he has a job either. Oh, wow. And at the moment. Yeah, his stuff is really great. Um, yeah, I think I went back to LA recently and most of my friends don't have jobs either. Uh, yeah. So you picked a good time to move on, it seems like, to focus on illustration. Unless that becomes obsolete with AI illustration, which five years probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, but I don't know. With these recessions, isn't there always a boom afterwards? And, they, and then there will be plenty of jobs again. Maybe I'm being optimistic. In animation, I don't know. I think industries can fall. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think about... I hope not. I don't know. I don't know enough about the the industry. I just like, I just like animation. That's all. As like a viewer. Do you still consume a lot of animation? Yeah, I screen a lot of weird, obscure animation at the art center. I try to introduce people to underappreciated stuff. And then I also show uh, Ghibli films once a month. So I love animation. I think it's maybe the best medium when done right for me. Like a good Miyazaki film is probably, I don't know what's better than that. Yeah. Me neither. In fact, I, I can't wait to see this film. Oh, the, his new one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about it. That's the whole point. They didn't promote it at all. There's only one image about it. There's no trailer. Super interesting. But when I was young, I wanted to be an animator briefly. And then I like just tried. And I was like, this is insane. I bought all the paraphernalia, like the pegboard or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. Like the round, the light box, the pegboard. The... Just this thing with the dots. And then, um... and then I drew like three images like this takes forever and uh <laughs> yeah so i think naturally i just fell down into comics or i fell down into illustration and then went up to comics because i think comics are like the up or down trajectory <laughs> i think they i've known really good animators just to get super burnt out and then they'll just like oh i'll make a i'll make some comics it's yeah. definitely less work or I've seen people, I've seen comic artists just go like, wow, this is way too much work. I'll just make paintings. <laughs> and then for me, it was even like once I was making a bunch of comics and then I got illustration work, I was like, shit, I can make $300 in three hours. Meanwhile, I make a book that takes three years and I make like 500 bucks. It was super hard to get back into the groove with comics once I realized I could make even a little bit of money with like significantly less effort. Yeah. It's a thankless job. It is in this. And I think especially when you're disconnected from a scene, like if you're not genuinely interested in it for what it is, it's hard to do. I can't imagine making comics in a country like Japan where there is like a market and a understanding of what that is. Mm. And, and like the work ethic that comes sure. 
Yeah, that's why when you were talking about being a manga artist, when you're like wanting to be that when you're young, it's just like I can't imagine the machines that you would be up against, like the people who are just like built to draw comics all the time. Yeah. Like I feel bad when when I see like a high school kid who's like drawing in that style and they think they're actually going to be able to compete or go into that, you know, like, so like an American student manga world. Yeah. Like they want to draw like, yeah, it's like, no, no, no. This, this is like a whole culture and world <laughs> that has to be like taken super seriously. Like you can't just like doodle manga eyes mm-hmm. once in a while. Yeah. You can of course like shift and develop your own style and make like comics or illustration. But I think the odds of an American student being able to enter into that world is just like, it just seems impossible from the outside to me. Yeah. I feel like uh, entering into the manga world from, yeah, it feels impossible. Um, But I I feel like lately there's so many ways for like people who do make like anime art to, to have like a large following and make um an income through that like with patreon and um i don't know maybe it's more of like being an influencer but but yeah i think people are definitely making money off of like drawing in an anime way i don't know about that world but no nor do i i'm just kind of bullshitting but i think I think what I'm trying to highlight is when you're young, you just like, like the aesthetics of something yeah, and you don't really know what it entails industry wise yeah, or effort wise. Like you don't know, like when you watch an animated movie, especially like a Miyazaki film as a young kid, you have no idea the amount of effort and pain. And I think that's what separates a lot of artists is just like, what are you willing to sacrifice? Mm. are you willing to be miserable he seems he seems pretty i mean he's beautiful in a lot of ways but he's yeah he's definitely like a grumpy dude and like uh, i won't even get into the fatherly dynamics but who am i to judge i don't know it's fucking (laughs) his life but from what you see in the documentaries like yeah yeah can you be that good and be good at other stuff i don't know can you be that good while being a like a good person? Father. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what is your favorite Miyazaki film? Favorite Miyazaki film? It's probably Princess Mononoke. Um, my friends been telling me to watch Pompoko. Yeah. Is that that's Miyazaki, right? No. It's this uh, Ghibli? Studio Ghibli, but uh it's good. Yeah, probably uh, Princess Mononoke. It's the first one I ever saw, and Same. I was I was shook by the violence of it when I was young. But it's so it's so magical, and you know. How old were you when you saw it? I was probably I don't really I think I was like ten ish, ten twelve. I'm not sure. I think that makes sense. Like, just that's when it hit America, I think. I remember getting it from Blockbuster Video. 
Yeah, I remember renting a like video of it. What do you think is the worst Miyazaki? The worst one? What's a Miyazaki you would not want to watch? Is there one? I mean, I I thought of Ponyo, but I really like Ponyo too. <laughs> no, Ponyo is deeply underrated. I think. I'm trying to like think. What are the other Miyazaki films? I think there's eleven. So in I got order. confused with the other Ghibli films. Like, uh, there's there's one called like Whisper of the Heart. Yeah, that's not him. That's not him. No, it would be like Loop in the third is the first one. Nausicaa is the second. Um, Castle in the Sky. Porco Rosso. You ever see that? I've never. He's like a pig. Pig man. Yeah, yeah I, I know like, I've never seen it. Though. I've never seen Porco Rosso or Castle in the Sky. They're all. I just recommend watching all. Do you like Kiki's what's Delivery your, Service? Oh yeah, I love Kiki's Delivery Service. What's your What's your favorite? Top and worst. It's Mononoke is the first I saw, and it's the best. I just like that it's more mature. It's like perfect basically there's a lot of the times where like because of his process the way he finishes films like the ending is just like uh, okay you know it's not satisfying um really what what's a film that he did where the ending isn't satisfying? i feel like howl's moving castle is really unsatisfying ending it just kind of ends okay. and everything becomes perfect and you're like what the fuck does any of that mean but mononoke it's very it's just perfect to me no. i don't like kiki's um delivery service it's not like magical enough but i don't really relate to witches so mm. not I really like, like that kind of slice of life vibe. yeah come coming of age uh, yeah i don't know to me like a happy ending where everything is wrapped up perfectly <laughs> is a good ending to me i don't mind it um, I just want to know why. I think I have that kind of problem sometimes where I'm like, how, what is the, even if it's poetic, like what's the logic of this film? And Owls stands out to me as just like, uh, uh, like you ask most people how it ends and they would be like, I, actually you ask most people what that movie's about. And I think they would be like, I don't even know. Like it's hard to remember the narrative of that film in the end. Yeah, I guess it, it is hard to remember, like the log line of it. Whereas, like Princess Mononoke, it's like very clearly kind of like nature versus man versus nature, and yeah, and, and they're both wrong and they're both right, and yeah. everyone should empathize. And <laughs> it's just so clear and perfect. I love Nausicaa too because Nausicaa is just like a prototype for uh, Mononoke. Mm. but yeah i can just talk who else besides me like who influences you besides uh what is it sayo comics um and and like modern like yeah modern. yeah do you do you still feel that you're collecting influences or you've got them under control you got I feel it like i still collect influences um like i really like sayo comics i really like um the work of like uh 
Do you follow like Melek Zertal? She's been doing no, that's cool. fashion fashion illustrations lately. I used to I really liked her comics. Um and I've hmm. I've been, lately I've been trying to draw like um Jeremy Mor Morrow. He's like a French animator. I'm learning things. Um, his stuff is great. Like all those French people, <laughs> they're so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that school that they probably all went to if they're um, animated? What is it called? Goblin. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they come out with like actual style and, or maybe the school, just like you said, maybe they just have a good style there. I also just feel like 3D animation is really hard to have a voice, but yeah, that could be in the maybe that's in the past. Maybe it's like more advanced now. Maybe I heard my friend just watched that new Pixar film, Elemental. Sure. Um, I'm gonna be honest. When I first saw the trailer, I was like, "Oh, it's like another." I don't know. This doesn't look appealing to me. I'm I'm so sorry to say that it looks like garbage <laughs> visually visually <laughs> but i feel like i know i feel like there's some people who like worked on it like their art looks amazing but like just the outcome of it like in yeah in it just it just it looks bad to me but my friend saw it she said it was good and like she said it was not what you would think it is you know like two opposite characters meet and then they find that their oppositeness balances each other out like that kind of thing oh it's not that okay, no that's... but she told me it's more of like an immigrant story which i was like surprised about hmm. interesting yeah i haven't seen it i think it visually looks like shit but <laughs> i think that's no insult to like are you, i think great people can work on stuff and sometimes it just doesn't look quite right and that's why i, I would that's never true. i would never fuck with animation because that horrifies me that you could spend like three years and then you then you wouldn't like the film you know like, yeah. at least with a miyazaki movie you're going to be running to the ground but you're going to like and respect the film at the end but uh i don't feel that way about a lot of stuff or like maybe adventure time like i feel like a lot of people worked on that genuinely like the show maybe you felt that way about steven universe no okay oh, no i no i like the show <laughs> i just never really watched it oh that's interesting i like how it looks i i never watched it though i never thought about that so you could draw backgrounds all the time for a show and then maybe just not even really watch it or care yeah. i i haven't really seen I mean, like the last two things I worked on, like I haven't seen them. Like they haven't mm -hmm. come out yet, so I haven't seen any episodes. But I, I wouldn't watch it. Hmm. Like it's just not my cup of tea. Do you have interest in making your own animated show? Uh, I mean, if that opportunity fell on my lap, yeah, but. I think for me, my priority would be making a comic first. Right. That's your ambition. Yeah. It's not like making an animated show. That's not really something that I would spend a lot of effort 
doing because it takes so much time. And I feel like it's a lot of like politics or trying to get the executives to buy or buy your thing. And then maybe right. things might change or like they might not, they might want some control over your thing. And I don't know that it just seems like a lot to deal with. But. Yeah. As a counterpoint to what I was saying, like the good thing about comics is the isolation because then you don't have to worry about someone green lighting it or all the nonsense. You just make the book or you don't and it's your fault or it's your accomplishment. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good and bad thing because there's nobody on the other side saying, Hey, you need to finish this. Yeah. Maybe you have to like pay a friend to, I don't know. I'm sure there's a way to figure it out. You have to pay your friend $10 every time you don't. Or like, you have to, yeah, you have to give them a chunk of money, a good chunk of money. And then, oh, and then you'll get kind of a, a an advance. And if you don't finish it, you don't get that. Exactly. <laughs> this is a, this is, this is ego. Oh, E-G-O? Yeah. He's, he needs my attention. He's really cute. No, he's, he's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. He's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like cute. Right. He's, he's handsome and exactly, exactly. <laughs> and refined. All right. So I think that's, that's the thing you you need to do is the giant comic book. Yeah. That's the when thing. When will, when will you have it done? You think? Uh, maybe in like a couple of years. So two years. Two, two years. Okay. Two years, 150 pages. Yeah. I think that's doable. And uh, end of 2025. 150 pages. Yes. And I'll listen back on this if I haven't done it. Um, yeah, yeah. Send me send money. You. Send me money. Oh, yeah, you. yeah. I'll send you money. And if I don't do it by then. It I would work. It would really work, I think. The money thing? The chunk of money? Yeah. Or I've heard of like donate to a charity of something you really hate. So like you'd have to give me a check to a like a charity or something you really hated. And if you didn't finish the book, then I would send it to them. What if I do finish it? Do I get it back or it goes? Yeah, I just rip it up. I just rip it up. The, what I'm thinking of is there's a woman who quit smoking by giving her friend a check that the person was going to send to the KKK. Oh my God. She didn't, and she was like 60 years old and it worked. Cause she just like absolutely did not want that to happen. That just might work. All right. I know what I'm doing now. Well, all right. I'm glad we got that accomplished. It was good to meet you. I hope that that comic happens. Yeah. Um, it was good to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Sure. Good talking. Bye. <laughs> Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chen. Next up, we have Kellen Jett. Enjoy your week.
Shall we 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 shall we